Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined by me, Ryan McGowan, and as always, James Kay. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you? I am very good and I feel like I've just asked you. Uh, yeah, we've had to record this intro twice, dear listener, because my laptop is not cooperating today. Um, so let's just cover briefly what we were talking about last time. Uh, James, you're going away for the summer. Yes, I am. Three weeks in Scotland. going to be fun. I feel yes. like I'm rushing this now. You know what? You deserve the full... This is your first time, listener. It's my second time. It's my first time, so I'm going to make it nice for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to sc- travelling around Scotland for three weeks with a good friend, um, which means I won't be able to record, unfortunately. So what we are doing is we're having a very busy week next week where we're going to just pump out some episodes to schedule... What, what was the word you used? Bi-weekly? Yeah, bi-weekly. Yeah, and then they'll come out throughout August for you, even though I'm away. So that's exciting yeah. for you. You can hear my voice even though I'm potentially drowning or being killed by a moose. Does Scotland have moose or is it elk? Uh, I believe or it's they elk have like or deer. Big old deer. Yeah. Either way, there's a potential of death. So yeah. if this is the last time you hear my voice. So while James it. will be traipsing across the Scottish highlands with his elven cloak wrapped round his neck, you'll be listening to us as if nothing's changed. That's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, uh, a quick mention um, about our distributor. Uh, it's a bit of homework here for you guys, um, or for us to mention to you. Uh, we have changed distributor relatively recently. We were with one company, and we're now with another. Uh, the reason for this change is simply because uh, we are two years old now, and we, you know, can't do this as a hobby forever, so we need to try and make some form of income. And the current distributor we've now gone to uh, allows for ad placements, which you may see uh, at the beginning and at the end of your episodes. Uh, that is purely for us to try and make a wee bit of money on the side uh, because we like doing what we do. However, we do have full time jobs, we do have universities to go to at some point this year, uh, and we would like to continue doing it. And uh, we feel this is the best and only way to do it, other than our merch store which you can find on www.twpd.store, where we have unique and official merchandise for That's What People Do, created by yours truly and Mr. James K. And they look fucking sick, so why don't you go pick one up? Yeah, you got told. What an endorsement that is. No, genuinely, they look really good. If you buy one, please take a picture... Uh, and send it in to us. Tag us in your pictures if you, you've bought a shirt or whatnot. And we know you've bought shirts because a couple of people... Well, I, I see the analytics. I know you're buying it. And I think it's amazing that you're doing so. I'm wearing one right now. So why don't you put yours on? I like the idea of people wearing our clothes. Our clothes? Uh, I mean, I the clothes that we made, not my clothes. Yeah, just you giving them your clothes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if people buy them, you can have them. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. In fact, you know, worn. one day, one day, James, this show's going to be so popular that we're just going to put, like, the first ever TWPD shirt that we bought from the store as, like, we're going to put that up on, like, charity shop or whatever, and people are just going to buy it for, like, loads of money. Do you think? That we'll be sign nice? it as well. Yeah, we'll sign it. Wouldn't that be nice? It'll still smell like me. Anyway, let's crack on, shall we? <laughs> Uh, we are, who are we talking about this week? Uh, we are talking about the amazing James Randi. Uh, and who is this amazing Randi man called James? His name is James Randi. Uh, he was born a Randall, James Hamilton Zwinge, on August the 7th, 1928, in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, 
He was the eldest of three children to parents George and Marie Zwinge. He was an intelligent child, probably too intelligent for his own good, whilst at Sunday school he would routinely get himself in trouble by asking the... Um, he used to ask for proof whenever his teacher would read from the Bible. He'd go like, how, how do we know that? And it's like, well, it's written in the Bible. And say, like, yeah, no, but where's the proof? And it's like, well, it's written in the Bible. What more proof do you want? He used to get in a lot of trouble for that. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we. Well, you said last week, didn't you, that this episode's going to be quite religion-based? Uh, I mean, it, it's so there's a, there's a religious aspect to this story. Um, it's not heavily religious uh james randy just has rather heavy opinions on the case um now right obviously the listeners might find this relatively interesting right but you guys all know my opinions on religion i mean i've, I've not exactly hidden it from our, our listeners um but when when growing up what was it your parents thought you would be james like did they ever like prophesize what you would be when you grow up i was supposed to be an academic which oh, is right. just hilarious well, because are, I'm not. Well, but you are going into journalism. Yeah, but I don't want to do all the written shit. I want to like talk to people. Yeah, fair. That's why we do a podcast. Well, um, my mum prophesied that I would be a vicar. What? And that's no word of a lie. <laughs> so I was like James Randi. I just asked you. I used to just ask all the questions. I'd be sitting there going like, oh, why does God do this? Why does God do that? What? Who is God and what does he do? Why does he do this? And my mum used to like not know any of the answers and she'd just go, oh God, he talks about God all the time. I really must be into this God thing. Uh, and then thought I would become a vicar growing up because I'm so into God. I keep talking about God and little did she know that, you know, I would become almost a vehement atheist. Uh, atheist. <laughs> Yeah, you went the other way. I went completely, ways. Yeah, I went completely the other way. Yeah, but my mum thought I'd be an atheist growing up. Um, but yeah, uh, sort of linking to the um, story of uh, Randy getting in trouble during his Sunday school classes, I actually got suspended from my religious education class in year nine at school. For two weeks, I was not allowed to attend my religious education's class by my teacher who banned me from the room. Um, the reason why? Uh, we were learning about the virgin birth and um, I had uh, a theory. <laughs> uh, the what, that she had an affair and lied about it? Uh, no, not so much. Um, I, obviously, we're learning about it. We know that we all know the story. An angel called Gabriel met up with Mary and was like, yo, you're going to have a kid. That kid's going to be the son of God. And it's going to be an all-powerful little being. And she was like, okay, cool. And then went back to Joseph and was like, oh my God, look, look what happened. And he was totally cool with it, apparently. Um, I asked the theory. I said to my teacher, her name was Miss Rainey, vehement Catholic. She proper believed in this stuff, which is why she shouldn't be teaching RE. Um, I said, was there such thing as like alcohol back then, like a beer? And she was like, yeah, there would have been some sort of like, yeah, meads or whatever it was. There would be some sort of alcohol back then. I was like, okay, was there any kind of like drugs or stuff like that? And she was like, oh, well, there would have been some sort of opiates around that area, I would have thought. And I was like, okay, is it not possible that she was so drunk and so high that she sort of had uh, sort of some sort of hallucination uh, of a guy that she just happened to have sex with in an alleyway? and assumed that this guy was called Gabriel and looked like an angel because she was just hallucinating and that's why she genuinely believes that it was an angel and I got kicked out for that for two weeks. Um, I mean, you did directly question her beliefs. I'm sure she did take offence to it. 
But yeah. I mean, it's it's a fair it's a fair like I don't know theory. It's all theories, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's because now it, like, I I one of my best descriptions. I'm so sorry if you're religious. Like if religion makes you a better person, power to you. Crack on. But one of my favorite things is if the story of um, Mary Joseph and Jesus happened today, it he wouldn't be the Messiah. That family would be on Jeremy Kyle. He really would. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you're like, she had an affair. She did. They're having a lie detector and it'd be like, did you have any other sexual contact with another man? Mary said no. That was a lie. Mm, it, there's a lot that don't add up. But yeah, as I said, if religion makes you a better person, power to you. Yeah, no, I'm If all it for makes it. you hate on others, then suck your mum. <laughs> what about me? Because I don't have a religion and it makes me hate on others. I know your mum listens, so I won't tell you to suck your mum. <laughs> yes, she does. I don't know. What anyway, you, Ryan, I'm just at peace with it now. Yeah. So at school, uh, he would James Randy would be so far ahead of his classmates, he would even he would actually get bored uh, and then begin skipping school entirely, uh, beginning to only show up for his exams. Um, he wasn't, you know, like you know those kids at school that only turned up at the exam, but not because they were smart, but because they got excluded from school. Um, do you never have those? Right. There was uh, there was like a f- yeah, there were like five yeah, or six of them little, in my year that like they just disappeared. Yeah, absolute little shits. Yeah, they just disappeared at the beginning of June and they turned up at the end when exams were on. And it's like, where have you been? Yeah. And they were like, I got excluded. Oh, okay, you're not going to do very well, are you? Yeah, bless them. Yeah. Well, James Randi uh, was still keeping tabs on his education whilst he was not at school. Uh, in fact, he spent a lot of his free time at libraries and museums just teaching himself. And it's, I think it's quite cool that he was like, well, school just doesn't really seem to work for me. I'm all for learning, but this didn't, this sort of institution ain't for me. So I'm just going to go away and do my own thing. And it, it done all right. It was, it was quite clever. Um, but when he wasn't teaching himself, he was attending matinees at the theatres and one show in particular set him on his path. He attended a magic show performed by famous American magician and illusionist Harry Blackstone Sr. who performed such tricks as making a bird cage disappear or he dimmed the lights in the theatre and made a light bulb float in midair while still alit uh, and even sawed a woman in half. Now, for like a 12-year-old, young James Randi, he was just like hooked. He's like, what the fuck is going on? That man has made a yeah. light bulb fucking float. And that man made that woman come in half and then go back together again. I used to love magic <laughs> as a kid. I'm all for it. And I know James Randi was absolutely hooked. The showmanship of it all, the craft, all this stuff. He just had to know how it was done. He wanted to perform mm. illusions himself. Like He knew this shit was illusions. He knew what was going on. He knew the tricks, but he just like... I have to know how it works. So he started small, right? He learned him he taught himself like basic party tricks, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and then he started working children's parties, like doing magic tricks and card tricks and all that kind of stuff. And he enjoyed it so much that he just dropped out of high school to pursue his passion full time and then went on to work in clubs and bars in the streets of Toronto as a uh, as a mentalist is what it's called um, which is the term for a performer who demonstrates mental powers be that 
uh, reading minds, hypnosis, clairvoyancy, all that jazz. You know, they're called mentalists. You know, when they go like, oh, oh mentalist nowadays kind of means a bit different, doesn't it? Yeah, it's uh, quite a quite a negative thing. But this is the phrase for those people. Be like, think of a word, and or be like, draw a picture, and I'm going to draw the same picture, and that's amazing. They're, they're what, that's a mentalist, and that's what Randy was really kind of into. He, he thought that was kind of fun. Um, Randy, Fascinating. yeah, well, see, Randy enjoyed the showmanship of it all, right? So he wasn't out to con anyone. He was just out to put on a good show. He liked the the, the, the logistics of it all, how it works. And the fact that people can be tricked by it, knowing that it's a trick. That's what he was kind of into. He's like, oh, that's that's the bit that's amazing. So I know what you're doing and you're still fooling me. Um, And using these skills um, to con people was something that Randy would come to despise. Uh, And he first came across it age 17. So Randy attended a church where a preacher was, and I'm putting air quotes here, reading the minds of his parishioners by predicting statements that were wrote down on paper uh, in sealed envelopes. Now, to, That's quite a common thing trick nowadays, isn't it? Magicians still do that. Yeah, so to explain, for our listeners who maybe aren't quite sure where I was going with that, there are, for instance, five sealed envelopes. Inside each one is a statement written by an audience member. One of them is likely going to be a bogus one, the one that you already know about that's been written by a plant in the audience or some other way. When you open the envelope of the bogus person, uh, you read out like a, you know, you read out like a bogus statement or something. Um, so, you, like, say for instance, you open envelope one, you read it. It actually says like, um, "Say hello to my granddad Ralph," but you say, "Oh, this one says." Uh, I like beans and then your plant in the audience will go that was me I wrote that and you go brilliant fantastic and then you put the envelope down then you pick up the next envelope you open it up and you say say hello to my granddad Ralph whilst reading what the one in the envelope says now so you're one ahead does that make sense yeah oh there was a oh god this is gonna piss me off there was a magic trick I did at school where it was like a similar sort of thing, like you gave people options, and the way that you the way you wrote things down meant that you could never get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds it. That's gonna stress it me. It sounds out. similar. Yeah. Uh, well, this is what the priest was doing, right? So he, you know, pick up the envelope, read a bogus statement. Someone would claim that it's theirs. Whilst doing that, he'd actually read the first envelope, but because you know he's just lied, and from then on, he could basically keep doing this trick, whether it's five envelopes or five hundred envelopes. You can basically keep doing it because you're always one ahead. So long as you remembered the statement that you've just put down, you can keep going. Um, and this audience, like the audience, was just mesmerised because their preacher was claiming that it was a power derived from God doing this. Uh, and Randy knew how it was being done. Of course, he knows how it's being done. Like this is like some sort of trick he would do on stage, and he didn't like to see the parishioners being conned by someone of the cloth. Right? Some some church attendees were having emotional reactions to the image of their preacher having genuine God-given powers. Um, and if you think about it, the the preacher could so easily have taken it too far. Like this guy could be accepting extra donations from his parishioners, or mm. or worse. Um, Randy's 17, World War II is wrapping up uh, and and there's there's every possibility that the preacher could use bogus claims about fallen soldiers saying, oh, I'm getting fucking 
uh, Randall from somewhere, he said this, that, and the other, and then some woman, poor woman in the audience who's lost their son is going to be like, oh my god, that he's talking to my son. It's like, well, you're probably giving them something nice and making them feel better, but you are also conning them at the same time. And Randy was like, nah, this is not on. I don't like that. You're actually conning people, and I know how you're doing it. Um, so Randy ran up on stage and called him out. He told the entire congregation what he was doing and how exactly he did it by doing it himself. But the reaction he got was not the one he expected. You see, the parishioners didn't suddenly realise they were being conned and then decide to rip the preacher's limbs off. Instead, they booed Randy and the preacher's wife called the police and he was arrested for it. (laughs) Right. Um, How mad's that? (laughs) You're. I mean, I don't think it's. Oh, you can't arrest someone for that. Surely. I don't know. He was being like. I, I imagine it. The scenes would have just been some seventeen-year-old, absolutely irate, running up to the front of the bar of the altar, going, "He's a fraud! Look what he's doing!" And I know how he's doing it. And they're going, oh, "Get out of here! Get out of here!" I mean, as a man who works, like, if you don't know what I do for work, I basically get dressed up all day. At the minute, like, yeah, today I dressed up as a Georgian dandy and just wandered around a medieval <laughs> castle. Sometimes I'm dressed up as a knight. Like, it it sounds a lot better than it is, trust me. But the amount of times that kids will just come up to me and be like, you're not real, you're in a costume. Like, it's just what kids do. You can't arrest them for it. They'll just call you out. Oh, God, yeah. I remember when I worked at the London Dungeon. And I was dressed up as if I'm in the 1300s. And some kid asked me, he's like, oh, what year is it? And I was like, oh, it's uh, 1368. I just made it up. He went, no, it isn't. And I was like, do you know what? I had to really sort of stop myself from taking off my costume and being like, do you know what? No, you know, you're right. It's not. It's 2018. All right. And we all know why we're here. And you need to shut up because your parents have paid like 50 or quid for you to have the enjoyment of coming here. And you're ruining it, not for yourself, but for everyone else. So why don't you shut the fuck up, you little 10-year-old twat. (laughs) The guy I was with today is like this 40-year-old man. He's a really lovely guy, really funny. And people kept coming up to him and be like, oh, your shoes aren't really, period. And he'd just like pull him to one side and be like, do you think I'm real? (laughs) Like, do you think I'm from the time <laughs> periods? Oh, I love that. And they just don't know what to say. The second you break character and just talk to them, it's oh, hilarious. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I remember I once got uh, collared because I was, I'd was i rolled up my costume sleeves because I was really hot. Uh, and the costume department said, um, oh, could you uh, roll your sleeves down, please? Because that's not period. And I was like, you're telling me no one ever rolled their sleeves up in history before, like, <laughs> the last hundred years. Sod <laughs> off, I'm hot. It's probably because in the history books there's no chapter on rolling up the yeah, sleeves. Yeah, or in any picture. Like 100% they rolled yeah. up the sleeves. 100% they rolled Every up the sleeves. Every picture that, let's be honest, is fucking hand-drawn. They've decided to draw the sleeves down. And it's like, right, okay. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's so what... funny. That makes no sense. <laughs> so what Randy learned that day, which is rather similar to some of the people that we've come across, was that um, like those people that had come to see Randy's shows... People want to be tricked, right? They want to believe. Um, now, I'm a logical person, right? I'm not interested in the trick so much as I'm interested in how exactly it's done. So, like, whenever I've been to see a magician show or anything, I'm, like, trying to figure out how they do it, whereas there are people sat next to me that are just, like, fingers in their ears screaming la, la, la because I'm trying to explain how it's done. And I, I, I'm so mm. black and white with how I view the world and some people just, like, they want to be in the fantasy of it all. Some people don't want to know. It's like, have you ever seen the film The Prestige? 
No, I haven't. That's the Christian Bale film. Really good film. Yeah, yeah. Christian Bale, Hugh Jackman, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan about magic. It's a fantastic film. And one of the lines in that is that um, people are only, I'll, I'll paraphrase, people are only interested in magicians when they don't know how to do it. The second you tell them how to do it, they don't give a fuck about you anymore. Oh, that's really clever. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I like that. No, but that's me. I'm more interested in how it's done. I think that's more fascinating than the fact, because I know I'm being tricked. I just want to know how you're doing it. Like, I think, like, I'm there. Like, I'm trying to work it out whilst I'm watching it, but I won't go away and, like, research it because I do kind of like the mystery. If I can work it out on the spot, you're probably a shit magician. But <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I won't go away and be like, how did they do that? Because I don't, like, I'm not a magician. I don't want to learn it. I'll just live in the live in the fantasy for a little bit. Yeah. Well, in this moment, Randy knew not only did he want to be an illusionist but do it for the right reasons, but he wanted to also be a sceptic too, calling out those who claim to have genuine supernatural powers. Randy, on every single performance you ever did, would come out and say, I am a fraud, I am a charlatan, I'm going to trick you, I'm going to use trickery here, and you're going to enjoy it, okay? And that's 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 the whole point. He was like, it's a show, it's a trick, it's a thing that you can learn, Right? Don't come up here doing something that I can do and tell their audience that it's real because that's not yeah. fair. It's not fair. You, you, you can, you're conning people and he didn't like it, right? So Randy continued to learn new tricks. Uh, he performed them to you know simply amaze his audience. But soon he switched up to escapology in his 20s. And this is the bit that's hilarious, right? He did this because so many people began to believe that he genuinely had supernatural powers despite him telling them all throughout his act that what he was doing is an illusion. It was a trick that anyone can learn. But people don't want to hear that. They want to believe that magic is real. In fact, this this is true. He was often stopped in the street and asked for the lottery numbers, and he'd reply saying that he, you know, I'm just a magician. Like it's just, it's just a trick. I don't actually know the lottery numbers, um, and people would just sort of go, Yeah, all right, come on, sure. Can you give me the numbers, please? And it's like, Oh my god! <laughs> and he got so fed yeah. up. He got so fed up with this that he just he just quit doing like mentalist stuff and illusions and was like I'm going to start doing escapist escapology because I can't deal with the fact that I'm telling you every 5 minutes this is a trick remember and they're going no it's not that's definitely not it's too good <laughs> imagine being so good at what you do that people believe that it's real even though you're telling them it's not I think so people are just scared of what they don't understand isn't it so if they can't understand something they'll just be like well that's it it's real it's magic yeah. Because they can't comprehend that it's genuinely possible. Well, it's, do you remember Darren Brown predicted the lottery numbers on live TV? That was fucking hilarious because there were so many videos afterwards like, how did he do it? I think the way he did it was he split screens the screen, someone came in and wrote the numbers down. Yeah, possibly. While the other side of the screen was frozen. Because one of the balls, if you watch, like raises a little bit. Oh, is that right? Well, this is the thing. So, right, you've got people going to Randy being like, come on, give me the lottery numbers because he's probably done it once in a show. And he's like, if I could actually predict the lottery numbers, do you think I'd be walking down this street for you to come and ask me for the lottery numbers for next week? Do you think I'd be telling you? <laughs> this is... Yeah, exactly. I'd just be living in my fucking mansion. Yeah, exactly. I'd be winning every week. <laughs> They'd be going, oh, this is amazing. How's he doing that? <laughs> anyway, um, he spent the next decade becoming a household name on TV and stage around the globe, performing as The Amazing Randy breaking out of jail cells, bank safes and lockboxes. 
He was locked in a sealed coffin and dropped into a swimming pool where he stayed for 104 minutes before escaping, beating Houdini's record of 93 minutes. In fact, Randy's overall goal was to try and just break Houdini's records. He was like, ah, fuck that guy. Uh, he wanted to sort of recreate Houdini's famous upside down straight jacket escape hanging over Times Square trick escape thing. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Houdini's um, in some time in the 30s, I think it might have been. Uh, he hung upside down about um, about four or five floors off the ground. Um and he was all chained up in a straight jacket. He's upside down, and he um, broke out in like two minutes thirty-seven seconds. And so Randy in uh, nineteen fifty-five was like, "Okay, I'm going to do the same." So he was like, "I'm going to do six stories high. I'm going to do one floor up." Um, and he did it in a relatively similar time. So he's like, "You know what? I'll take that as a win because I did it at a higher level." And obviously Houdini's dead now, so he can't do any better. Yeah, punched in the stomach, isn't he? He'll be a great episode one day. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll definitely. No, in fact, no, definitely, we'll definitely do Houdini. But um, to push himself just that little bit further, uh, Randy performed the same stunt uh, over Niagara Falls, hanging from a crane, which was really impressive, Fox. and it actually it, looks really. It sounds cool. a bit like David Blaine just doing weird shit that no one asked him to do. Yeah, kind of. Just for the sake of doing it. Yeah, I don't really get David Blaine though. No, I don't think David Blaine gets David Blaine. Like some of the stuff he does is just pointless. You know when you hung above the Thames in that glass box? Yes. Why? Yeah. What? Why? Why are you doing this, David? No one gives a shit. Because some of it's just like not even interesting stuff. Like, like you said, he's just he's just hanging out in a box. You know? Like, okay. Yeah. When then you get people like Dynamo. Dynamo is a magician I respect because he'll turn up. He'll do something real quick, and then he just vanishes. And you're like, wow, that was cool. Yeah, big fan of Dynamo. He doesn't dick around and linger too long. Big fan of Dynamo hanging off the side of a bus, walking on water. Love it. That one way he walks on water is incredible. It's very good. People are like, oh, it's a Perspex glass box, like hang- someone just under his feet. And it's like, yeah, no, but then the bloke goes past in a kayak. Yeah, I don't. I honestly, I can't get my head around how he did oh, that. Oh, it's clever, in it? Anyway, yeah. Randy was so popular, he was even brought on to Alice Cooper's Billion Dollar Babies tour in the mid-70s. Do you know Alice Cooper? Yeah, um, oh, lead singer of... Alice Cooper. <laughs> is that the band? Yeah, Alice Cooper was, uh, oh, Alice Cooper's you. band was called Alice Cooper. I think it only lasted like two or three years or whatever, and then he went solo. Oh, really? Oh, right, okay, I get mine. Um, but Rock stars mixed up. In the mid-70s, they their album, Billion Dollar Babies, toured, and uh, they were all like, the band was all about putting on like shock rock shows for the audience. Um, and it always climaxed with um, Alice Cooper being decapitated by a guillotine. And As you did. it looks so cool. I've watched videos of it. It looks so real. Like you see Alice Cooper just sort of, he bends over, puts his head in like the, 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 the stock and then his head just gets cut off. And you're like, what the fuck? Like where the, what? This is on stage. This is live. Um, and it turns out the executioner is James Randi. And in fact, he helped design the guillotine that was used to cut off the head of Alice Cooper on his live shows. Um, that's how popular he was. He was like getting fucking rock star bands, going on tours with him and everything, doing all this magic and illusions. He was He's, he's, a, big, he's a big name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this like really cool. yeah, this guy knows how to put on a show, right? He, he's just he is a showman. Uh, he's the greatest showman. Um, but yeah, he was very popular with the media and celebrities, especially a one Johnny Carson. Have you ever heard of Johnny Carson? 
No. Neither have I. I think it's because like, it's an old American t- talk show host. I suppose it's like our um, Parkinson. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, I get you. So, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was a late-night talk show, and the host, Johnny Carson, was in his younger days a keen magician himself, and like Randy, was a sceptic of those who claimed to have supernatural powers, especially one man that he was soon to be interviewing, a man from Tel Aviv, Uri Geller. Why do I recognise that name? Because uh, he's very, very popular in the UK. Like He's a big name over here. We all know him. Right, okay. So Uri, I'm not sure Uri Geller is an Israeli with self-proclaimed telekinetic powers who boldly claims that he can bend spoons and other metal objects with just his mind. Starting to ring a bell? I think so. I think if I went on YouTube and like looked it up, it might... Oh yeah, grab your phone and have a quick Google whilst I'm just carrying on. So, um... How do I spell it, please? U-R-I-G-E-L-L-E-R. Oh yeah, there he is. Uh, oh yeah, I, I, I recognise him. I, I'm like I'm familiar with him. Yeah. yeah. So um, Uri was picking up quite a bit of interest in his home country of Israel and was heading to America to sell out theatres with his amazing supernatural powers when he was asked to appear on the popular Tonight Show with Johnny Carson in 1973. With his previous history of magic, Carson was keen to see Uri Geller in action, but being a man of science, he was naturally sceptical and having a friend like James Randi, who knew every trick in the book, he wanted advice on how to put Uri Geller through his paces and have a fair, controlled test. Randi's answer was simple. Don't let Uri bring his own props. Have your own props department bring in the equipment, he asks, and see if he can do it. It's that simple. Just don't let him have his own stuff. What followed is 20 agonisingly painful minutes of TV. Now, I've watched it all so that you don't have to, but I highly recommend you watch Uri Geller's appearance on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson because, honestly, your skin just fucking retracts. It's you, you, Oh, it oh you feel like a slug that's been given salt bath. You just, Honestly, it's, it's painful watching it, right? On the set mm. is a variety of objects that... Uri often uses such as pocket watches, spoons, uh, there's uh, little uh, aluminium cases that you would have put uh, camera film in back in the day and in the interview Carson asks Geller if he would like to try anything for the audience. He's like you know this is what you're famous for, this is what you do, would you like to attempt anything on this table here? But Geller starts making his excuses right off the bat. He says like quote oh it, it takes a long time, it doesn't always work or I feel a bit pressured right now. All the while, Carson is doing his best to be patient with Geller. So there's like a, a seven, there's like seven mini cases on the table. Like I said, they're like, you know, like film cases. They used to be like, we used to have them as plastic. But like these are like little metal ones. One of these little cases has water in it and Geller has to try and guess which one it is. Um, and apparently this is something that he can do. He's demonstrated it before, and all he does is sort of just waves his hand over all of the cases, and he's like, this one. Or he like eliminates them as he goes, right? He's like, this one hasn't got water in it, take it away. This one hasn't got water in it, mm. take it away. What's left is the one that has water in it, right? So Geller, you know, as he supposedly does on his shows, spends the next five minutes waving his hand over the cases, and as he goes, tries to eliminate them. However, he only gets through about two of them, before giving up 
and saying that he isn't feeling very strong. And with the conditions, it doesn't always happen. Being like, you know, all the lights, the studio set up, the audience, Mm. all this sort of stuff, right? And he says that given enough time, it would happen. Um, But he's hinting that it could sort of take hours. (laughs) He's like, oh, no, no, this... Sounds like a bloke who's nervous during sex. <laughs> He's like, oh, give it time. It works. I promise it works. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not feeling it today. It's fine. Uh, no, he, he's like, he's like, oh, this this process. Like, And bear in mind, it takes him like nearly 10 minutes just to pick two of these out of the seven that are left. Um, he's like, oh, this thing can take forever. Like, this can take ages. But he's like, given enough time, I can do it. And he's like hinting at that, like, this is going to take longer than your show. So why don't we just kind of move on thinking that Carson will go, okay, well, no, let's try something else. But Carson's like, no, we'll wait. It's fine. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You could just imagine him, like, um, the second he said that, he's like, Yeah, right. And and there's two other guests on the show just sort of watching as well. And it's like, oh my God, like, you're on live TV. It's mad. So uh, instead, uh, Carson's like, okay, well, I don't want to pressure you. Like, you know, we're here to try and do a fair test and whatnot. And you say you can do what you do. And I believe you. I just, you know, would like to give you the right opportunity to do it. So we'll go to an ad break. So they have many, many ad breaks and many, many attempts. And Geller tries something different in the end. He's like, no, I'm just not feeling strong today. Maybe we'll try something different. So he picks up the spoon, which he's most famous for. Um, and he tries the spoon bending trick where he places a spoon in the hand of another guest and with his mind only tries to bend it. And would you imagine it doesn't happen? Now, there is a slight bend in the spoon, which everyone on the stage acknowledges, but we don't know if it was there before. And again, Geller says he's not feeling very strong and claims that the small bend in the spoon is a victory. And the whole thing is just painfully awkward. And you can just see the panic oozing from his skin. It's it's just, it's not a very nice watch. But you know what the annoying thing is? This didn't kill his career. The fact that, James, you know of him means that it didn't kill his career. You'd think, yeah. you'd think that humiliating yourself on live TV to all of America, one of the most popular talk shows in America, would spell disaster. But it actually had the opposite effect. People began defending Uri Geller, saying... And this is genuinely true. They said that the fact that he couldn't do it proved that it was real and not a trick. They would say that if it... Fuck off. (laughs) The idea was this. If it was a trick, he would be able to do it every time, all the time. And the fact that he can't do it proves that it must be real because uh, he's done it before. Um, I... You can get away with anything nowadays, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> People will always defend you. I don't like... I don't know what to say. Mm. Well, I, I know. Um, People actually be dumb, is what I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to say this as well. One... The people defending just have to take Geller's word for it that he can do the things mm-hmm. that he did. Or there are people that have actually been to see his show and believe that. And so... You know, when they watch him on live TV as well and they see he can't do it, they're like, well, I've seen him do it, so he clearly can do it. Um, Or two, uh, to say, quote, if it's a trick, he would be able to do it again and again. um, That's exactly the point. He isn't claiming it to be a trick. He's telling you it's real, but it's not. It's a trick. And it's a trick that he can only do because he has his own props to do it. He didn't have them in the live show, so he couldn't do the trick. People believe what they want to believe regardless of what they're being shown. That's the whole 
you know gig here and that's kind of what james randy was always about he was like people believe what they want to believe like, i'm telling you all the time this is a trick but you can believe what you want to believe uh in fact go on go on have you got anything to reply to that because it's mad isn't it it's just a fraud but i think there's always a saying in life isn't it do anything with enough confidence and people will just believe you Oh no! And I think this sums it up in like completely. I like at work. I know I'm keep talking about my job, but basically at work, I'm allowed to just flirt heavily with whoever I want, like guests, and it's it's great. It I I have the time of my life, and I've realised that me as like James, like trying to flirt is very awkward. Like doesn't really get anywhere because I don't know what I'm doing. But me as this character that goes up to people and tell them how much of a pleasure it is that they're getting to meet me. These women fucking swoon. (laughs) <laughs> and it's so weird. I'm just like, I'm coming up to you with like an outrageous amount of confidence and arrogance and you are just fucking going for it. Oh, absolutely. It's bizarre. People love confidence no matter how fucking batshit crazy it is. No, I totally agree with you. I had exactly the same thing when I worked at the dungeon. I Once I was in the costume, once I was in the makeup, I was that this a completely different person that you know i could play and i could talk your ear off and just have all this confidence and then once i'm out of character i'm out of costume out of out of makeup it's like it's two completely different people it is mad isn't it as long as you go in with enough confidence you can play a character and it's just it just takes over yeah it's it's strange yeah now uh, i want to kind of just stay on this bit for a, a little bit a little while um randy when performing geller's spoon bending trick to other people to prove one how easy it is to do and two that it's not magic or supernatural powers um was called a fraud by an audience member um so he bent the spoon and then one guy was like you're a fraud and he was like and this is a quote yes indeed i'm a trickster i'm a cheat i'm a charlatan that's what I do for a living. Everything I've done here was by trickery. To which the heckler then replied, quote, That's not what I mean. You're a fraud because you're pretending to do these things through trickery, but you're actually using psychic powers and misleading us by not admitting it. Right. <laughs> Randy's literally telling the audience this is all fake and they're not having any of it. In fact, one guy who was a US senator said, quote, I think Randy may be a psychic and doesn't realise it. Someone in the US fucking government just <laughs> being absolutely mental. Yeah. Shock. <laughs> I, I just can't get it. I, I don't get it. Anyway, now, if I could describe the relationship between James Randy and Uri Geller, I would say it was like Batman and the Joker. They absolutely hate each other but have this symbiotic existence whereby if one was to vanish, the other would quite possibly grow bored. They need one another in a bizarre way. And Rand- Oh, yeah, it's like the Roadrunner and the Coyote. Oh, yeah, Randy's always calling out Uri Geller, and Uri Geller's just being like, oh, no, fuck you, trying to sue him. And it's like, they just they just do this in perpetuity, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, Randy's attempts to publicly show up Uri Geller had the opposite effect, right? So Geller was booked left, right and centre for TV talk shows and theatres across the world. And this is not how it's supposed to go down. Randy even wrote a book on the guy, basically detailing every trick that Uri Geller does, which is about four, and explaining how they work and how you can do them, your t- how, the- how you can do them too. And even the book didn't work in breaking Geller's career. In fact, Geller became more famous because of it. And this seriously pissed off Randy to the point that he created a group specifically designed to call out bullshit claimants like Uri Geller. Now, 
1976, James Randi, along with some other famous names, such as Carl Sagan and Isaac Asimov, created the Committee for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, or PSYCHOP, as we will call it from now on. Its sole purpose was to call bullshit on people saying they had supernatural powers. In fact, you could have called it the Committee of Bullshit Claims. In fact, have you ever watched An Idiot Abroad? Yeah, love it. Remember when Carl Pilkington was like, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? He was like, I'd, I'd be bullshit man. Oh, yeah, just calling that, yeah. That's a fantastic meme. <laughs> that's that's what this, basically, committee is that James Randi made. He was like, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm calling it out. Now, That'd be a fun WhatsApp chat. It would, wouldn't it? Now, I haven't said debunk at all, and that is for good reason. Randy himself didn't like the term because he thought it implied that you were going in with your mind already made up. Um, he preferred to say, I don't know. Let's find out with some tests. Um, I suppose you could call him agnostic uh, when it comes to trickery and magic and superpowers and all that kind of stuff, right? He was like, okay, prove to me that you can do it. That's all I want to know. Um, now, as part of Psychop, Randy became the touring ambassador for the group. He would go all over the world listening to claims made by people and tested them out. One of the first people to fall to Randy and Psychop was a man called Jacques Beneviste. He was a French immunologist who had managed to get himself published in a well-to-do scientific paper called Nature. His subject was the, was the memory of water. The theory here was that if you took a medicine and diluted it into water and kept diluting it till the medicine was no longer present in the water, the water would still work the same as if the medicine was there, claiming that the water actually has memory and can recall things that have been in it. How mad does that sound? I'm sure that's a film, or is that The Shape of Water? The Shape of Water, I think it is. I'm sure there's a film of the memory of water as well. I don't know. But um, to most of us, we would call this today homeopathy. Homeopathy? I don't... Define it, please. Have you not heard of homeopathy? I have, but I'd like you to define it before I make a fool of myself. Okay, well, um, I will be blunt here, okay? Homeopathy is, to be blunt, fucking useless. As Randy puts it, it's like putting a single aspirin in the middle of Lake Tahoe, stirring it and waiting for two years before taking a glass of it to cure your headache. It's fucking useless. Homeopathy is just a fake drug. It's a placebo. Right, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, so I knew one guy who uh, had uh, some mental health issues, which is, you know, that's fine. Uh, I was on uh, genuine antidepressants to handle my mental health issues. Uh, this guy was taking throat drops. And when I asked him about the throat drops, because he was like, oh, you shouldn't be on these antidepressants, they're not good for you. I was like, okay, well, what do you take? He's like, oh, I've got these throat drops. And then that's where I learned about homeopathy, uh, that he used... A homeopathic medicine i was like oh okay it's a load of shit but this is the thing it helped him because he thought it worked that's fascinating isn't it yeah the placebo effect is genuinely that real is fascinating placebo yeah placebos are crazy yeah i'd there's a lot to be said for them. well homeopathy it's like a lot of illnesses i'm a lot obviously i'm this doesn't apply to mental health issues because like fucking hell if someone says you've got mind over matter when you're depressed or anxious you just want to kill them yeah but a lot of like, even like me, I can talk myself into having a cold. 
Oh god, yeah, yeah. And and then I'll feel all of the symptoms, even though they're not there. I've just convinced myself that they are. Well, it's mad that um uh, a man can actually have um uh period symptoms uh if if when living with their partner um if they're overly empathetic as a person they can experience phantom symptoms that their partner is feeling uh whilst they're having their uh, periods like at the end of the month god yeah how mad's that i reckon that is a fucking hilarious conversation when any man tries to tell his girlfriend that he is also experiencing those stomach cramps just a word to the wise blokes don't don't say that sentence ever (laughs) you imagine ever uh, she's like babe where's the fucking water bottle my stomach cramps and he's like oh i've got them too (laughs) (laughs) good you'd die you'd be killed straight away just Stay strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's true that uh, men can also get it during pregnancies as well. When the, their, their partners are pregnant, um, they can experience phantom symptoms um, so as well as their partners. Um, but yeah, so... That's fair. Whatever you're experiencing, it's best not to talk about. Yeah, but the mind is crazy and homeopathy is also a fake drug. Uh, and when Randy and his newly formed psychop turned up, they were like, oh, cool, interesting thing you've got here. How about you try and replicate your findings for us, please? And when Benavista couldn't do it, he got discredited. So his whole thing was like, um, I've got a particular medicine, we've diluted it with water, and we've diluted it to the point where there's now no longer medicine in the water, but the memory has, uh, the water's got memory. It knows that it had this medicine in it, and it acts just the same as if it had it in it. And you're like, well, that's fantastic. That would be really clever and really useful um, for like the medicine world. Prove to us again that you did this. And he's like, I can't do it. Ah, okay. We have a problem here then, don't we? Now, um, Randy was never sure on how these people did what they did uh, in terms of like uh, Uri Geller and magician, like fake people. He wasn't necessarily sure how they did what they did, but what he did was he just figured out his own way of doing it to show that it could be done through trickery uh, for Uri Geller as an example, with his spoon-bending abilities, Randy figured out how to do it pretty quickly himself and said that Geller used tricks that, quote, used to be on the back of cereal boxes. Uh, And in fact, Geller tried to sue Randy for defamation, being like, how dare you? Like, this is genuine psychic power and you're saying that anyone could learn it off the back of a cereal box. Um, And then Geller's uh, case got thrown out of court when Randy provided a cereal box that showed how to bend spoons on the back of it. And I think it's such a... Bending spoon... Yeah. I've seen this trick before as well. I I can see the trick in my head. Yeah, he's just grabbing, you know, like the actual useful part of the spoon. And he's grabbing just underneath Mm. that bit, the little metal shaft, and he's sort of wiggling it and bending it, and then it just fucking breaks or bends. It's like you've got your hands all over it. I don't know how anyone could say you're doing this by magic. It's just physics. Yeah, exactly. Well, Randy, like I said, figured it out really quickly and was like, "Yeah, this is this is dumb." <laughs> um, now, another fraud, another another fraud was James Hydrick, a man from South Carolina who, in the seventies, claimed to have been trained by a Chinese master in the art of telekinesis. Now, whilst I'm talking, James, I want you to search the name James Hydrick as H Y D R I C K. Now. He would appear with a bowl cut in a fancy dress Chinese outfit and claim to be able to move things with his mind. Have you got a picture of him yet? Yeah, he's got one hell of a bowl cut. Yeah, exactly. It's really, it's it's almost bordering on like racist. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that wouldn't be acceptable nowadays. <laughs> yeah, see, he was like, oh, I was taught by a Chinese master, oh, and this was the outfit he gave me. I've just got to me. a point of his life. I, I, I don't know if you're going to bring this up, though, so I'll leave that. But I'm yeah. definitely going to bring this up that you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, um, both Heydrich and Randy appeared on the show That's My Line, where Heydrich demonstrated his powers by moving a pencil and then moving the pages of a telephone directory without touching it. Ooh. Then Randy shows up and he demonstrates with ease how he moved the pencil. And it's so stupid, right? He He's like, okay, well, first of all, let's take the pencil trick that you've done here. Uh, you've moved the pencil so far over the edge of the table um, where, like, it's basically tilting and, like, precariously balancing on the edge, almost like the bus at the end of Italian job, right? That's a pencil on the end of this table. And he mm. was like... If I blow on it just a little bit, it will fall. And he does it. And he's like, that's exactly how you've done it. And then the guy doesn't even say anything. He's just like, oh, okay, okay. Then he moves over to um, the telephone directory trick where he's like, oh, you've managed to move these pages without touching it. Fantastic. Brilliant. Let's take a look at how you did that as well. So what he does is he places about a ton of styrofoam balls all around the book on the table because he suspects that what Hydrick's actually doing is quite cleverly and deceptively blowing the pages. And he's like, listen, I believe you. You're telling me you've got psychic powers. Um, do it, but do it under these conditions. All these styrofoam balls are going to be all around the paper. Um, so if you are blowing, we'll see it. Uh, so he's like, would you like to go ahead? And he's like, okay, yeah, because I mean, you can't back out on live TV. You've just got to go for it, right? So he's like, okay, um, sure, let's try it. And he asks Hydric to perform the trick and he bends over and he's looking at the pages. He's hovering his hands over it and he can't seem to do it. He's like, oh, God, oh, oh, sorry. The styrofoam balls are actually causing a static and it's interfering with my abilities with the lights and everything. It's like you literally just demonstrated how you did the trick uh, about five minutes ago before Randy came on stage. And now all of a sudden he can't do it. Yeah. Um, fraud. And so, yeah, he's a fraud, right? <laughs> Lo and behold, he can't do it, right? So he got called out live on TV. It ruined his career. And Heydrich was later arrested for sexual molestation of five young boys. Yeah, I just got to that point. And to be fair, you look at him and you think, yeah, oh, yeah I can yeah, see it. Yep. <laughs> In fact, he was actually on live TV on another interview, and then after he finished the interview, the police literally took him in the car. Oh, they should have done it on TV. Oh, it would have been great. Now, I mentioned earlier how you might describe Randy as an agnostic, and that was certainly true when it came to supernatural powers. But when it came to religion, oh boy, there isn't any better word than atheist. Like I said earlier, as a boy, Randy got into trouble at Sunday school for asking too many questions. Questions that always stuck with him. Questions kind of like Adam and Eve, right? They had two sons, one of which killed the other. And yet all of humanity supposedly came from this family. How did they do this without incest? And then he'd get kicked out of school. Fuck's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, fair. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's like, okay, so you had two sons. Right, well, one killed the other one, but they can't procreate with each other anyway because they're guys. So the only other female was his mum. Okay. 
Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of it, some sort of incest did happen along the line, if that is how humanity was born. Totally did. But then also, like, I swear there was something, like Adam and Eve, someone was born from like the rib of Eve or so, I don't know. So a- the, Adam, rib of- Adam actually has a first wife. Uh, I forget her name. It's so irritating. I literally knew Wait, it. Wait, so Eve wasn't even the first female? No. <laughs> well, my whole life's been a lie. Yeah, Adam actually had a wife before... And then she ended up like becoming a devil of sorts later on in the stories because they didn't like her. And so then they redid. Christ, they re- actually believe this. Yeah, they then rewrote the story that the rib is what created Fuck Eve. Sakes. Yeah, if you, I, I mean, mean, you oh. can find it really quickly. You literally just Google like Adam's first wife, uh, and it comes up like almost immediately. Lilith. That's it. Her name was Lilith. She appears as Adam's first wife who was created at the same time and from the same clay as Adam. Um, but yeah, uh, no one likes Lilith. It's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. People just need to read this really slowly <laughs> and just think. Just think whether this is possible. There's a, there's a, quote, from one, it's... There's a quote from one guy, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he was like, um, uh, a religious person hasn't read the Bible, an atheist has. I mean, yeah, that's fair. There's a lot of questionable stuff in the Bible, isn't there? Yeah. I think you can take the meaning of the Bible, like the commandments don't hurt thy neighbour, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. And don't don't be a, don't be a prick. Basically, is the entirety of the Bible. Like, take that away from it. But the stories might make good films, but that's what that's all they are. They're stories. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm all for it. There's definitely things to be taken away from it. Um, but yeah, um, Randy actually once said that the Wizard of Oz is much more believable and much more fun. <laughs> And uh, on deities said, quote, I think that a belief in a deity is an unprovable claim and a rather ridiculous claim. It's an easy way out to explain things which we have no answer for. I mean, I mean, as I'm sure me and you will agree, I'm sure people listening to this will disagree. But yeah, Yeah. that's fair. So naturally, given his thoughts, feelings and opinions uh, on religion, it is no surprise that his next target would be faith healers. Randy was awarded a... Oh, yeah, take the bastards down. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy absolutely despised these people. Uh, He was once awarded a grant from the MacArthur Foundation of $270,000 over five years for research into faith healers, and he wouldn't need the five years. Within a year, his first target would be publicly shamed. Peter Popoff was a German-born televangelist selling out stadium-sized arenas where people paid money for him to hopefully heal them of their ailments with his power supposedly coming directly from God. Randy appeared on The Tonight Show with his old buddy Johnny Carson, who looked stunned as he watched a video of Peter Popoff walking around the stadium to complete strangers and just was able to like know their names, uh, know their addresses, know their ailments, and then... He laid his hands on their heads and claimed that they were now cured and they'd fall over, get back up, and they're now cured. And that God had taken away their pains and their ailments and their problems. And he was amazed. Johnny Carson's watching this being like, wow, this is amazing. Like, how, how, how the fuck's he doing that? That's amazing. He's literally walking up to this woman being like, you live at this street. Uh, you've, got, you've got this, haven't you? And she's like, yeah, I have, I have. And he's like, okay, God takes it away. And then just takes it away. There's one woman. This is the ultimate placebo effect. Yeah, but there's one woman. She has a, a walker, right? She's got arthritis. 
And he's like, you live at 403 West Avenue, whatever. And she's like, yeah, yeah I do, I do. And he's like, you've got arthritis, right? And she's like, yeah, i got arthritis. And you've got the walker. Yeah, i got the walker. Places her hand on it, his hand on her head. And he's like, God takes it away. God takes it away. God takes that away through me to you. Like, he takes it away. And then she kind of like falls over a little bit. And he's like, right, come out of here. Start walking. Start walking. And, you know, she starts walking. And he's like, God's done it again. Hallelujah. Yeah, wow. That's really impressive. It looks great. It looks really cool. Um... But then Randy plays the same video back again. But this time, uh, something's different, right? There's the there's a voice of a woman over the top, right? And this is Peter Popoff's wife, who's actually feeding him information on the audience members as he comes to them. Information that Popoff's people had asked them to write before the show. And Randy and his team discovered that what Peter Popoff was actually doing was using a radio scanner, like a little radio thing, um, in his ear. Like he had a wee earpiece, and his wife was talking to him in the ear. And Randy only discovered it by taking a radio scanner. They had an idea that it could be done this way, so they had a radio scanner and were able to actually tune in to what was being fed into his ear. And that's how they did it. That's quite impressive. It's, it's quite impressive. He was making millions of dollars from this. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, a year later, Popoff claimed bankruptcy. What his business? He just was fucked up. Killed it. Absolutely killed it. Yeah, yeah no mug, shit. No mugged doubt. him off on live sure. TV. It's like, no, this guy's a fraud. I'll call him out. <laughs> uh, Randy's opinion on faith healers and those who claim to speak to the dead was never a nice one. He believed them to be dangerous people who prey on those wanting to believe so badly they'll part with vast sums of money. Speaking of those wishing to believe, James McDonnell, an engineer, created the McDonnell Laboratory for Psychical Research. The aim was to legitimise research into paranormal phenomena. However, McDonnell was a believer, someone who could easily be biased on their findings. So, Randy proposed efficient methodology on how to test certain things and what to look out for so as to not get conned. He was like... Listen, if you're going to start offering money to people to, like, you know, try and find out if supernatural shit's real, you need to be aware that people are going to try and con you, and I'm going to give you the pro- I'm going to give you the tools to spot the con. Um, and yeah, his proposal was rejected. McDonald was like, "Nah, fuck off, get out of here." So, in what is possibly a really childish move, Randy initiated Operation Alpha, and I think this is. This is just brilliant. He sent two teenage magicians skilled in sleight of hand techniques and mentalist training to the laboratory. And the McDonald laboratory was stunned when the two boys were able to demonstrate amazing supernatural skills by just using sleight of hand. When you say sleight of hand, I just think of cards. Is that what we're looking at here? Mm, Kind of, but no. They were able to move things. Uh, and bend stuff and uh, they were able to uh, read people's minds uh, see things that like someone had drawn basically stuff you'd see on stage and these yeah. lads were doing it like these two like teenagers that were like quite relatively talented young magicians uh, and this this McDonald laboratory was like oh my fucking god we've we've hit the jackpot straight off the bat like these guys have got supernatural powers and we're doing all the tests in the world uh and they were like outdoing everyone else that could claim they had supernatural powers these guys were just fucking 
these were superstars uh, as far as these guys were concerned um now they were being completely and utterly fooled of course these guys were magicians they knew exactly what they were doing uh, and randy and the lads promised that if they were ever asked they would come clean about the hoax but they were never asked in four years they were doing this they were tricking this psychical research place that had a load of fucking money behind it for four years and just no one called, no one called out. him out all because randy at the beginning was like you're gonna get people trying con you i want to tell you how to spot the con and they were like nah fuck off we can do it ourselves he's like all right fine i will send you a con <laughs> see if you can spot it and they didn't, <laughs> and they didn't in four years um eventually they fuck eventually yeah. they came clean uh, and revealed the deception uh, to mixed reviews some criticized it and um, being like you know oh you're being a dick but then some others were like well no He's literally doing what he said he would do in the first place. He was trying to help you and you didn't want to yeah. do it. So he's just like helped you even more by making you look an idiot. Yeah. Now, along the same lines, Randy wanted to test how gullible the media was by creating his own spirit channeler called, uh, well, it was a guy called Jose Alvarez. He's a young man that uh, Randy knew um, and he got him to play the part of a spirit channeler who is able to channel the spirit of a 2,000-year-old called uh, nicknamed Carlos. Now, this 2,000-year-old spirit uh, was able to, like, you know... Uh, well, I don't know. The media would just, like, train a camera on this guy, and he'd sit there in his, like, white outfit and just be like, oh, Carlos is talking, because this guy's Venezuelan, right? He's like, Carlos is talking to me, and then, like, just talking a load of shit as if he was being possessed. And the media just, like, fucking lapped it up, right? Media channels were, like all over it they never questioned it they never really sort of delved too deeply into it they were just you know being fantastical about it being like oh my god this is amazing this guy can talk to a two thousand year old called carlos which isn't weird at all and when uh randy when randy and jose revealed the hoax media outlets if you can imagine were humiliated so randy's just like stop being a twat open your mind and start looking logically that's all he wants. That's all Randy wants. He <laughs> just wants you to use your bloody mind. Now, Randy was all the while still badgering Yuri Geller because that seems to be his favourite hobby on a Saturday. Um, and Yuri was always throwing a lawsuit back at him. And because of this, Psychop wanted Randy to leave Geller alone since he could potentially cost them a lot of money should Geller miraculously win a lawsuit. And because of this, Randy eventually took a back seat, eventually leaving the foundation that he co-founded. Randy would establish the James Randy Educational Foundation in 96. The mission here was to continue investigating paranormal and supernatural claims whilst also educating the public on scepticism and what to look out for as to not get conned by people looking to exploit you. But the best thing about the foundation was the $1 million prize fund. It was simple. Randy had a $1 million check for anybody who could demonstrate to him genuine supernatural powers. It was that easy. It's that easy. He was like, just come to my house. This is where I live. Demonstrate to me, under certain circumstances that we've both agreed upon, that you have got supernatural powers and I will give you $1 million. And to this day, the prize has never been claimed. Right, okay. So this is how we get the pod off the ground. We are going to go... With our supernatural powers and claim this money. <laughs> I'd like the idea of that. That's great. What would we do? 
We'll really figure it out. Maybe we'll make you levitate. Okay, so there's not going to be episodes for like the next like month or so while we just figure out whether we're supernatural. Yeah, you're not, not actually going away to Scotland. We're just going hide away in a lodge to figure out how to do magic. Yeah, I'm going to go sit in a in a circle somewhere, like a satanic circle, just summon the devil and see what I'm going to summon me. Adam's first wife, Lilith. Oh yeah, just ask her how she's doing. Bless her. <laughs> yeah, she's probably really annoyed that some other young hot girls just come in all of a sudden. Yeah, and become the main character of the story. You'd be fuming, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> um, Randy always said in interviews how baffled he was that um, there's supposedly hundreds of thousands of people out there who claim to be psychics or claim to talk to the dead or have some sort of magical powers, and yet when he looks out the window, no one stood there waiting to claim a million pounds. A million dollars. He's like, I literally have a check just sat here with your name on it. If you just come to my door and demonstrate you've got powers, and yet there's so many of you all over the world claiming to have all these amazing powers. It's like, you just don't want to get caught out. Where's Derek Akora when you need him? <laughs> yeah, well, Derek Akora got uh, caught out as a fraud, didn't he? He's fucking shite. He's so bad. Also, it's like if Derek Akora was so on. This, I mean, Derek Akora was so on about like talking to the dead. He's dead now. Why doesn't he prove it? That's actually a really good point. Like, come start talking to someone. Go, go, piss off. Um, what's her face? Yvette. Go piss off yeah. Yvette while she's at home trying to make fucking spaghetti or something. Be like, oh, you called me out on the show. Ooh. It. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe in mediums or anyone like that. I, I nah, just mate, they're con men. But the, I, I like, you... do I believe in ghosts? I don't know. I think life is more fun if you do. So yeah, probably. But I've never seen one. Nah, I mean I've been ghost hunting, but um, it's one of those that um, that the group that you're surrounded by heavily influences how you feel. Or uh, even this is the thing the, there was um because where I work is a medieval castle, so naturally ghost tours happen there all the time. And one of my friends went on one because he was like shadowing because he was going to start doing them. And he would be standing in the room and just listening to the medium be like, oh, this person's here, this person's. And because he knows the history is like, who the fuck is that? You're just making shit up to scare this group. And when one person's scared, everyone else feels the fear. And he's just following this group going, this is bollocks. Like, this is wank. If you remove yourself from it, you you won't feel it. Exactly. No, exactly. Atmosphere has has an equal effect. If it feels like a spooky room... You're going to get the eek. This is why your bedroom can be your absolute safe place. Watch a horror movie and go straight up there and turn off all the lights. You'll be scared of your bedroom. It doesn't mean there's a ghost in there or something trying to kill you. It's just the atmosphere you've created. Exactly. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? The mind is such a weak little thing. We're so smart and yet so stupid. Yeah, we're, we're a fucking clever dumb species. But stay away from mediums. I'm telling you now, if there are any mediums listening to the show, like genuinely get in contact because I'd love to speak to you guys. In fact, we'll get you on the show and we'll talk about it. Uh, and ha- give us a reading. Like, give us a fucking reading on the show. That'd be amazing. What, like a... me? Like, uh, what sort of reading? Well, yeah, you know, like you go to a medium and they give you a reading. They, like, tell you your future or they tell you about any person that's dead in your family that wants to speak to you and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, um, I oh, I was... I Was it... An ex-girlfriend, the one that you know, I, I remember speaking to her before and, her, like, her parents or mum was like, I don't know. Whether it was her, I don't know. I've got loads of weird exes. Like, went to, like, psychics yeah. and just lapped up all of the shit that they said because they just say really generic stuff to you. 
Right. And you're like, oh my God, that applies to me. Like, it applies to fucking everyone. Yeah. That's brilliant, right? So, um, uh, Randy did a TED talk, uh, which is, I've watched it all and it was fantastic, right? He talks about mediums and he's always saying how, um, uh, why do they always give you the most boring, useless fucking information when talking to the dead? He was like, put it this way, right? He said, I've got an aunt who potentially has buried some treasure. and there's, Or, no, he's got, I've got like a long-lost aunt who's got a will with a fuckload of money in it, right? And I go see a medium and it will be like, oh, she wants to tell you that she loves you and that she's having a lovely time with all her old friends and there's dogs running around in heaven. And he's like, where's the fucking will? Tell me where the will is. <laughs> That's all I want to know. And you're yeah, telling me that money? you're having a nice time. It's like, great. Well, where's the will? <laughs> yeah. Get to the nitty gritty. Get to the important shit. Yeah, if I never... died and could speak to an alive relative, I'd be like, yo, afterlife is mad. And just start <laughs> yeah. lifting off all the stuff. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm having a good time. Just yeah. needless information. <laughs> like, yo, I've got James Randy here. And he's just doing all these mad tricks. And it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. Where's your buried treasure? Like, oh, by the way, uh, bet on this. Bet on bet on the Steelers or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, in his later life, Randy's health began to suffer. He had heart surgery in 2006. In 2009, he was diagnosed with uh, colorectal uh, cancer, but always kept his high spirits. When he announced his condition to uh, an audience, he said, "Quote: One day I'm gonna die. That's all there is to it. Hey, it's too bad." But I've got to make room. I'm using a lot of oxygen and such. I think it's a good use of oxygen myself. But of course, I'm a little prejudiced on the matter. <laughs> I like him. I think I'd have got on with him. Oh, I would love to have met him. He sounds like such a funny guy. Like every interview I've ever watched, right? He's, he's so full of like passion and energy and just loves talking about magic and tricks and illusions and calling out mm. people. He just absolutely lived for it. Um in fact, he was cleared of cancer in 2010, and in the same year, Randy revealed that he was gay and later married Jose Alvarez, the man who played the fake spirit channeler Carlos, which is awesome. Like he was in his 80s, and he was like, "Do you know what? I'm gonna, I'm coming out gay. I've lived all my life fucking hiding, and now I'm gonna come out." Nice. Fuck you, lot. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I I'm, like gonna, it. I'm gonna enjoy the rest of my time. Uh, so. Um, Randy and Jose uh, lived together for the rest of Randy's life uh, when he passed away due to age-related causes on October 20th, 2020, aged 92. Good innings. Good innings, man. That's good. And he had a full life. Now, I will point out, there is a lot about James Randy that I have not put in this episode purely because this episode is nearly an hour and ten minutes long and we've not even scratched the surface of what Randy has done in his career. It's a full-on career. He's done so much stuff. He's called out so many more people. He's debunked so many other con men. Uh, he's had YouTube channels. He's appeared on like a million TV shows. There's a film about him. He's written books. He's done everything. Uh, and really, he's an inspirational bloke. I like him. I love him a lot. And I really wish that um, I could have once met him. Yeah, it would have been cool to meet someone like that. He sounds like our kind of guy. Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, he's a nice bloke, really nice bloke. So thanks for existing, uh, Randy, James Randy. Good plug. Good plug, yeah. Check it out. Got uh, T-shirts, thanks for existing, if you want to give it to your significant other for reminding them that you like having them around. 
Lovely. Well, that was a cracking episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, so, uh, what have we got for next week? Do we know? That's a fantastic question. I don't know. However, I'm going <laughs> to fucking bash two episodes out tomorrow, apparently. It's going to be a full-on day. Uh, do you know what? I'm going to put that on a T-shirt. Do we know what we have next week? I don't know. <laughs> Who fucking knows? <laughs> I've been so busy, and every time I get home, I just die. Yeah, I feel you there. I've got like, I've my my room is just gathering alcohol because I keep like buying like you know these cans of like I don't know martinis you can get and pims and stuff. I keep buying them on offer, mm. and I always drink two and just save one. Mm. And now for some reason, I'm just gathering the extra ones in my room for Excellent. what I'm assuming will be a messy night at some point. Yeah. So I've got what have I got here? I've got a cranberry and vodka, or vodka cranberry, should I say? And a passion fruit martini. I'm not going to crack it open now because it's 20 past 10. I'm sitting in my bedroom alone and got work tomorrow. That'd be weird. But why have I started talking about this? How did I get onto this? <laughs> well, James is tired. We're going to let him go to bed. Uh, thanks for listening. Why, why did I start talking about that? That had a purpose at one point and I'm confused. <laughs> uh, oh, do you know what? I don't know how we got onto it. Uh, you can no. listen back to it once you edit the episode. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Oh, that was it because we didn't know who we're talking about next week. And I'm telling you, oh, because I'm tired and I'm drinking. Right, okay. That's Excellent. why. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, join us next week where we will be talking about someone rather nasty, I think it is. No, wait, last week, uh, last I, week was I'm Oscar... I'm doing a nice person first yeah. because I did the the worst of the worst last week. Yeah, yeah. we spoke about Oscar de la Venga last week. Uh, yeah, who absolute wankstain. Showed us that hell is also a place on earth as well as heaven. Uh, I think... You know what? Next week, I'm going to do like proper historical, I reckon. Let's go medieval. I'm feeling it. Excellent. All right. Well, join us next week where we'll be going way, way back uh, to medieval times. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm set. Who is going to be? Who knows? It might be Amberlynn. Mm. Would it be Amberlynn? Maybe. Who fucking knows? It probably won't be Amberlynn. It'll be something around that era. Oh, wait. Well, it won't be next week. It'll be in two weeks' time. Yeah, it'll be at some point. So join us in two weeks' time. Sorry. Join us in two weeks' time, whilst we'll be talking about someone from the medieval era. Uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials. Make sure you rate and review us on iTunes and any other platform you listen to us on. Uh, please check out the merch store, uh, as uh, you will get official uh, one-of-a-kind TWPD merch, which will benefit the show that you love. Um, you can find us on www.twpd.store. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the show, you can also do that at www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do. Or you can find all these links on our social media pages, which I heavily recommend you follow. Um, yeah, and that's everything. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Ta-ra. Bye. Bye.